Welcome back to Girls Camp. I'm your host, Haley Rawl, and we're doing a special little birthday episode today. I am so excited about this. I was brainstorming something special I could do for a birthday episode. It is my birthday on June 6th, so by the time this is released, it will have been yesterday. My birthday is 6-6, so all growing up, I was like, told that that was the number of the devil. I was born 6695, so not quite 6696, which would have been even more devilish. But maybe my fate was already written in stone to leave the church, be led astray by Satan, and now be here talking about it. Anyway, I wanted to do something fun for the birthday episode, and I actually had one of you write in just a couple of days ago, and you had the amazing idea to do a post-Mormon testimony meeting segment. I have been loving reading these testimonies that you have all written in so much that I want to start doing this as a recurring segment, like at the beginning of episodes. But for today, we are doing a full-blown post-Mormon testimony meeting. We are taking testimony meeting back, and I cannot wait. I had you all submit your testimonies of post-Mormonism. So stories, thoughts, feelings, how you found peace, how you found happiness, what you've gained, And I was literally crying and crying, reading through your stories. I wish I could share every single one of them. I feel like this is such an important thing to do because a big mission for me behind Girls Camp was to celebrate stepping away from Mormonism and to talk about the good things. And obviously there's a lot of hard things and we talk a lot about that too, but I think for my birthday, it feels really fun and nice and aligned to be sharing these positive stories and the positive impacts that leaving Mormonism has had on so many of us. So I cannot wait to get into it. I'm trying to think if I have any campfire chat items to talk about. By the time you hear this, I will be in Escalante. Bentley and I are going there for my birthday. We're like glamping at these cute little RVs and I'm so excited for that. I'm craving nature, enough nature, not sleeping in a tent, but glamping is kind of like my perfect, it's my perfect type of camping. And it sounds really nice just to get away with Bentley. I'm super excited for it. So that is where I will be. That's something I'm looking forward to. And other than that, just living my life, doing my thing and loving doing this podcast. I really am. I feel like my birthday has provided kind of an opportunity to reflect on this year. Birthdays always make you think about your life and what you've done. And I'm just really, really fulfilled by this space and this endeavor. And it feels fun to celebrate that. It has been almost six months since I started the podcast, which is so crazy. My first episode was January 24th. So not quite six months, but coming up on six months, which is really crazy to me. It's hard to comprehend that it's been that long. It has flown by. This podcast kind of feels like my baby and I feel like time is moving in weird ways as it does when you are watching something grow and caring for something honestly similar to how I felt as a mother. So All that to say, thanks again for being here, for writing in, for DMing. This is just so great and so fun. And there's no better birthday present than being part of the Girls Camp community. We are going to dive right in to these post-Mormon testimonies. Like I said, I wish I could read every single one of them. I also wanted to mention I'm going to do a submission box in my highlights on Instagram. That's where I take your stories from. So if you're listening to this and want to write in your own testimony, write it in there. And that's where I'll be keeping track of all of these. Okay, let's get into it. Number one, yesterday I couldn't find my keys. I looked all over to no avail. If I didn't find them soon, I would be late. I sat down for a minute and thought about when I had them last. Then it came to me. They were on my desk under the mail, a post-Mormon blessing in knowing that I found my keys with my own intelligence and not by divine help. I love this one because heaven knows I have many, many stories growing up where I would 
lose something and then pray about it and then eventually find it. And those were always confirming to me that God had helped me find those things. And there's actually a funny story my mom always tells. When I was little, I lost something. I can't remember what it was, like a toy or something. And I was praying and praying to find it. And finally, one day, I don't know how long after my prayer, I found it in this like Barbie box toy I had. And I came running out of my room and I was like, mom, I found it. Why did God put my toy in the Barbie box? <laughs> like, I thought when I was praying to find something, God would put it somewhere specific for me to find, which isn't far off actually from the thinking. But I know we all have stories like that. And this is such a small thing. But to me, this speaks to a much larger thing that happens when you leave Mormonism of just realizing, I don't know, I feel like so many things that kept me in the church were these experiences I had similar to praying and finding something. And you realize those things happen outside of Mormonism too. Like you can still find your stuff. And as this person said, you don't always need divine help. Sometimes you just got to think about where you had it last. Okay, the next one. It's my birthday on Saturday. Happy birthday, fellow Gemini. I genuinely don't know all that much about horoscopes, astrology in general. I do know I'm a Gemini and I relate very deeply to my Gemini-ness, even though I don't know entirely what it means to be a Gemini. There's a lot of people who are really into astrology who I've met and they'll be like, oh, you're a Gemini. Like they can see it about me, which now that I'm thinking about it, not always sure that's a good thing, but I will take it. I feel like I feel connected to being a Gemini. All that to say, happy birthday, fellow Gemini on Saturday. Okay, she goes on to say, best thing from being post-Mormon is meeting my tattooed never mo boyfriend of two years. He doesn't only care about sex like I always was taught. He doesn't bat an eye if I wear a crop top and holds me and listens when I cry about all of my Mormon trauma. He truly gets me and I never knew a non-Mormon could do that. I'm so, so blessed. Shout out to the Nevermos, people who have never been Mormon in all of our post-Mormon lives because they're doing the real work. I mean, imagine you don't know anything about Mormonism. You meet someone post-Mormon like all the things you have to learn and how much it requires of a partner. I just think this is so beautiful that her partner is there for her in that way and also is free from some of these conditioning things that, you know, us post-Mormons grew up believing. I actually had one of my very favorite DMs a couple months ago. This man wrote in and DM'd me and he said, I have a girlfriend and she's post-Mormon and I really want to understand her. This is like a super significant experience in her life. And he was like, I found your podcast and I love it. And I listened to every episode and it's really helped me understand my girlfriend and be there for her more. I love that so much. And I feel like that is such a wonderful partner to seek that understanding because there really is so much to understand. I also love how this person pointed out he doesn't only care about sex like she was always taught. There were a lot of people who bore testimony of being able to accept people or even give people a chance that they never would have otherwise because of their Mormon upbringing and just realizing like all the stereotypes about other people that we tell ourselves and that are taught to us as Mormons are just absolute bullshit. And I thought this was a nice testimony to that as well. Okay, let's see. Ooh, here's a good one. This is an anti-tithing testimony. Probably one of the biggest blessings is just the financial freedom that comes with not paying tithing. I know this will sound like we gave up religion slash God just to not pay tithing, but that's not the case at all. It's just one of the perks that we didn't realize would make such a huge difference. We were able to save up for a house, beef up our emergency fund, start saving for my son's college slash future, and enjoy little pleasures like going out to eat, paying for more experiences, and providing an enriching childhood for my son. I don't feel like we live paycheck to paycheck anymore, and it has relieved so much stress and made us stronger as a family by allowing us to enjoy more from this precious life we were given. Hell yes to this. 
Tithing was a really hard one for me to let go of. It's interesting as I talk to other post-Mormons, like what goes first, you know, like some people take off their garments first. Some people start drinking first, but they're still wearing garments. Some people stop paying tithing, but they're still holding a calling. Like it's kind of funny to see which things fall away at different times. And tithing was such a difficult thing for me to stop doing. Some background. Also, we should do a full tithing episode because much, much, much to say about tithing and money in the church as well we know. But for me growing up, I was in a household where we were not super wealthy. I wouldn't even use the word poor. Like we had enough, but my mom was providing for us by herself essentially. And she was also trying to go back to school. And I would say things were fairly tight, especially in relation to my friends and like kind of the other families in our neighborhood. And we were really lucky and fortunate to have a lot of help and a lot of support. And my mom always attributed that, and I think she still does, back to tithing. So for example, there was one Christmas I was probably, I don't know, 15, 16. And there was one Christmas where we got this box on our porch. It was like a little box and it was full of cash. And some family knew that we were in need and had given us like a good amount of cash. It was like $1,000 or something for Christmas, which relieved a huge burden on my mom for getting us gifts, that kind of thing. And that's such a sweet, special story. I feel yeah, really lucky that we had that help from our community. It was anonymous, so we don't know who gave it to us. But my mom would always say, this is because of tithing. This is because of tithing. We also had one situation where we had groceries dropped off on our porch. This was, I think, when my mom was back in school. And yeah, I was in high school. And we just had a bunch of Costco groceries that someone had dropped off. And again, my mom was like, this is so wonderful. And this is because I pay tithing. My mom is a huge advocate of tithing. She always paid tithing, even when we didn't have a lot of money and just always attributed anything financial or like material, especially those type of blessings. She always attributed to tithing. And then when things kind of slowly got better for her, she got remarried. She will still say, I think, paying tithing really carried, she attributes that to carrying her and our family through financial hardship. Because of all of that, and because of seeing generosity being given to myself and my family growing up, and always having that connected back to being full tithe payers, it was just a really hard thing for me to give up. Like I remember very deep in my deconstruction, had taken off garments, had smoked weed. I still really felt attached to paying tithing. And I think beyond just attributing all that generosity of my upbringing to our tithes, I also had this like scarcity mindset around money. This is why so much goes into tithing. But I remember thinking like, if I don't pay tithing and I keep that extra 10%, even if the church isn't true, because I didn't want to give my money to the church anymore. I still felt like, oh, we need to give a specific 10% away in order to ever deserve money ourselves, if that makes sense. I hope this is resonating with some of you because it's kind of difficult even to articulate, but it felt, I guess, just really at the heart of it, selfish to keep that 10%. And Bentley and I have really tried to donate money and to, you know, the money we were spending on tithing, we've tried our best to like remember that and donate to causes that are near and dear to us and, you know, be generous in our own ways. But it was an interesting thing for me to unpack that it's okay to not pay 10% of the money that we make. (laughs) And yeah, anyway, well, lots on tithing. All of that to say, I love hearing stories like this. There are so many anti-tithing stories like amongst my friend group where 
those types of little things happen that you would always say if you were still in the church, oh, that's a tithing thing. A couple friend of ours, they had an expensive surgery come up they weren't planning on and they were really worried about paying for it. And then they realized they had set aside some HSA money, like a health savings account. And it was literally almost in the exact amount of money as the surgery cost, which would just be like the perfect tithing miracle story. But they had left the church and they weren't paying tithing. So good things still happen. Financial good things still happen, even to us post-Mormons, believe it or not. And I also love how this story highlighted The financial freedom, yes, but it's not just about having more money in the bank. As this person said, they feel like they can enjoy life more. They can set up their children better for the future. They just feel more aligned and they have the resources to do that because of not paying tithing. And that's a really big deal. That's a huge deal. I feel so frustrated and angry when I know that people could be in a much better financial situation, but they still feel like they have to pay tithing because that's what the church tells us to do. That's what's required to be worthy to even go in the temple. And it's preventing them from living the life they want to live in a lot of ways, as I think this person was saying. So a huge amen from me on not paying tithing. And God knows the church does not need any more of literally anyone's money. Okay, let's see what's next. Ooh, I loved this one. My relationship with my parents was rocky basically my whole life, and especially while I was in the church as a progmo, so a progressive Mormon, the last few years before I left. They had expectations of what I should be like and were quick to let me know when I was missing the mark in their mind. I felt very misunderstood basically my whole life. Leaving the church took away those expectations for who I should be, and my relationship with my parents has gotten so much better. I feel like for the first time in my life, my parents are seeing me for who I am, and they're proud. Leaving the church has allowed me to heal in ways I just don't think would have been possible if I stayed. I love this story, and what I find really hopeful about it is that the relationship actually improved in leaving the church. And I think we assume that relationships with people still in the church will only get worse if we leave. And while that absolutely can be the case, and I send my love and sympathy to the people who have experienced that, I also think that it can improve relationships, even with people in the church still. I didn't really reflect on this until reading the submission, but I think my relationship with my family members, my mom and my sisters who are all still active in Mormonism have actually improved because when I was also in my progressive Mormon phase, like this person, it was creating a lot of tension in my family relationships because I was trying to work through it. I was talking about it with my family. We were often disagreeing on things. We were trying to like watch general conference together, but it was bothering me. So I would say stuff about it and it just felt more tense. And I think since stepping away, it's actually improved our relationship in a big way, not just because we're no longer having to like deal with my dissonance as a team, but also just because I've found myself and I feel confident in myself and my thoughts and I know we disagree and that's okay, as opposed to like trying to get us on the same page. And this testimony, (laughs) I love calling them that, was really insightful to me because I feel like the same thing happened. And I think this is very hopeful for any of you who are still trying to figure out how to tell family members or friends and worried about how this relationship is going to be affected by you leaving the church, it really can actually improve relationships. And I don't think that's something that's really talked about because oftentimes the stories told are when relationships are damaged and there's wedges in relationships because of faith differences, but I think they can also improve. And so I loved this person speaking to that experience and sharing hope for us all and also helping me reflect on what's happened, I think, with my own family. Okay. The next testimony, this person says, I'd like to bear my testimony that leaving the church has opened me up to heretofore unknown levels of love and happiness and joy in my life. 
If I hadn't left the church, my self-love would be nowhere near where it is now. If I hadn't left the church, I wouldn't have discovered how much love is available in this world. It's endless and it's infinite. I wouldn't have learned that I don't have to be perfect to be deserving of love. In a bittersweet way, I'm so glad to have gone through a faith transition because my life has only gotten sweeter. I hope and wish the same for everyone listening to this. In the name of our Holy Girls Camp community, amen. Can I get an amen? The loveliest poetry, first of all. This is just so beautifully written and so true. I relate to every single word. Just recognizing the expansiveness of the love that is available to us, how unconditional it is, how unconditionally we can love ourselves and the people around us. Just amen, amen, amen. And in the name of our Holy Girls Camp community, I might have to get that as a tattoo, honestly. I want to get a tattoo for my birthday. I have been ruminating on some ideas and kind of going back and forth with what tattoo I want to get, but I'm trying to get one between now and my birthday. I think it'd be a fun little birthday thing. I only have one tattoo right now. I have two little butterflies on the inside of my arm. If you're watching this, you can see them right here. And I got these butterflies when I was getting ready to implant the two embryos that are now my babies. So this is kind of for Maude and Clementine. And I want to get a tattoo for me. (laughs) So I'm trying to decide what I want. Anyone who gets a lot of tattoos will always say they don't need to be symbolic. Don't get stressed out about the symbolism behind them. But sorry, I do. And I have some ideas that I like with some cool symbolism that I like, but I'm trying to parse out like, do I just like the symbol of this thing or do I really like want this physical image on my body forever? So anyway, stay tuned. We'll see if I end up getting one, but I'm definitely feeling the itch for a second tattoo. Next testimony. My newborn baby survived an unexpected brain bleed and surgery and recovered from seizures without a blessing or fasting. Thank goodness for modern medicine. P.S. She is thriving and happy as can be now 18 months later. Whoa, this is huge. That sounds really hard to have a newborn that's having seizures, and I'm really sorry you went through that. But how lovely, how simple, how straightforward. We don't have to be Mormons to deserve good things to happen to us and to have help and to have the best outcome out of hard situations. And that takes some unlearning to actually feel that way. And I loved this simple little story because that's a huge deal. And that's the type of thing that, yeah, in a Mormon context, there would be fasting, there would be prayer, there would be priesthood blessings, all these things that we relied on as Mormons when we were in these desperate, scary moments. And this sounds the most desperate and the most scary. And it's really cool to learn and to see that We don't need those things. And I don't know. I feel like with Mormonism, those are sometimes I talked about this with the finding the keys, you know, and this is kind of like the much bigger, more intense, high stakes version of that. But I do know that a lot of us have had experiences or I'll speak for myself. I've had experiences in Mormonism when shit really hit the fan. Things felt really hard and I prayed or fasted or got a blessing and things eventually got better. And it's difficult to not, you know, that connection that you're making when that happens is that it got better because I did these things. And then the church is reinforcing that and the people around you are reinforcing that. And I think the story is really important to challenge that thinking, right? There are people all over the world who don't pray, don't fast, don't have priesthood blessings under the quote, correct authority. And yet They still have good outcomes in hard situations. They still can feel helped and supported in other ways. I know a lot of us have gone through that phase where we feel like, if I'm desperate, what do I do? Who do I call on? And this is a really nice reminder that you don't need to hang on to all the hard, challenging things of Mormonism in order to still have that help, you know, like you can still pray if that feels good, or you can find other outlets. And ultimately what happens is not reliant on 
you praying, fasting, keeping the commandments, all that kind of stuff. Also, so happy for that baby. So happy she's 18 months and thriving. That is huge. And congrats, mama. Okay, this one is also very short and sweet and made me cry and cry when I first read it. I can fully love my youngest sibling who is at BYU and is non-binary, but has come out only to me because they felt safe to do so. (sighs) What a joy and honor it is to be a safe space for someone, for anyone. And the fact that this person leaving the church signaled to their sibling that they were a safe space to come out and to be their authentic self, that is just so huge. And I've been reflecting a ton on this because it's Pride Month. Happy Pride Month, by the way. I just have spent many a Pride Month when I was in the church or deconstructing doing a lot of mental gymnastics about the LGBTQ community and wanting to be an ally, feeling drawn to being an ally and to supporting them wholesale, the queer community, and just feeling like I had to justify that I could do that when I was in the church. And I want to be careful what I say here because I know there's a lot of different opinions on what allyship looks like and feels like and I don't feel like because I'm not a member of the queer community I don't feel like I can speak to that super well however for me personally maintaining membership in the church paying tithing to the church supporting the church did not make me feel like I was fully supporting the LGBTQ community not doing that anymore I'm just like Let's fucking go. Happy Pride. This is the greatest thing ever. This is such a wonderful thing to celebrate. And I felt that way before. I'm not saying I didn't feel that way, but I'm saying it came with a lot of justifications I had to do of like, yes, yes, no, I'm 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 on board. I'm an ally, I promise. But I didn't really truly deep down feel like I was. And leaving the church has made me feel like I really can be no justifications needed, no caveats. And that has felt like such a relief and such a joy to be able to be that and move forward in that way. And I just love the submission for that reason, because it sounds like this person just not only has signaled to their sibling that they're a safe space to come out to, but that they feel like, as they said, let me read that again, I can fully love my youngest sibling. And that to me is so beautiful and wonderful. And I'm so happy for you. And I wish the best to your sibling too. That sounds hard to be in that situation at BYU. And I'm so, so glad that they have you. Next testimony. Um, Here are my quote, spiritual experiences that confirmed to me that I needed to leave. During one of the big moments where I felt I needed to leave, I was feeling a lot of panic and went on a drive turned on my Spotify playlist and Taylor Swift's happiness came on. It literally felt like some higher being telling me I was doing the right thing. Then a couple weeks later, I had a dream where a sweet friend from my mission who had recently passed came to me and told me all the church claims weren't true. I felt so much peace. This is so beautiful and wonderful. I love how this highlights that spirituality doesn't die when you leave Mormonism. And if you feel like a spiritual person and you connect to spiritual messages, you can still do that outside of Mormonism. And hey, as this person said, those spiritual messages might even be the things telling you to leave Mormonism as they were for this person. And I think that's just a fun little twist, right? When (laughs) we start having these spiritual experiences that are so outside of the framework, like they're not confirming to us the truth, capital T truth that Mormonism is teaching us. And I think Kenna and I talked about this on our episode when we talked about finding spirituality outside of Mormonism. And I have so much more I'm excited to dig into on that topic. But she was saying the same thing, like she felt like she was having spiritual experiences, but they were so not within the box that Mormonism had prescribed and were actually like telling her other things were true. And that dream is really cool. I am not a spiritual dream person. I've never really had 
dreams that mean anything. My dreams are always just bizarre as hell and weird. (laughs) So I think people who connect to their dreams and learn things from their dreams and have these types of spiritual messages in their dreams, I just think that's so cool and sounds like a really sweet moment of closure to have someone you met on your mission visit you in a dream and share that with you. Also, shout out to the Swifties on this one. I am no Swiftie. I do not dislike Taylor Swift. I like some of her music, but I'm not a Swiftie by any means. But I'm glad that this Taylor Swift song meant something in this moment. And I can definitely relate that music is such a wonderful spiritual tool. And there's so many songs in my deconstruction that have like spoke similar messages to me about like, it's okay to be happy outside of this. And I need to make a playlist. I'll make a playlist and share it because I would love to hear all of your songs that did that for you too. Okay, next story. This one says, I am 51 years old and finally making choices on my own. I'm deciding what is best for me and not letting someone else tell me how to live my life. Yes. What a crazy hard journey it has been, but so rewarding. I am still a work in progress, but have come so far teaching my two youngest kids a whole new way of life. It's freeing to live an authentic life, something I have never done. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So proud of you. I really admire people who have been in Mormonism longer than I have because you have more attachments, you've dedicated more to it, you've spent just, you know, more of your life doing the Mormon things. And I think it is so brave and so huge to step away in that stage of life. And I love that you are deciding what is best for you. That is one of the greatest gifts of leaving a high demand religion. I feel the same and so beautiful that you can teach your kids that as well. And just want to say you're amazing. I really, again, just look up to and admire the people who are leaving later on. I honestly think the earlier you leave, I don't know if this is always true, but it feels like the earlier you leave, the easier because you've just dedicated less. And I'm just grateful for this woman for doing the hard thing, but doing the good thing. And so glad that it's feeling so good for you. Okay, next one. Not wearing garments has allowed me to feel truly beautiful for the first time in my life. I've struggled with body dysmorphia and eating disorders for most of my life, but finally getting to wear what I want has healed my body image and soul so much. You all know how I feel about garments because I did a whole episode on it, basically two episodes on it, but I wanted to share this one because those are super real. I mean, obviously things, body dysmorphia, eating disorders, and having something like garments that was exacerbating those problems or maybe even, you know, triggering those problems, taking them off and being able to overcome really hard things to overcome. Like that's a huge deal. And I'm so happy that choosing to take off the garments in leaving the church has enabled this person to recover and to heal. Like, I guess maybe that's what really struck me about this story is the healing that can happen when you leave Mormonism. And because so many of our traumas are connected to Mormon things, (laughs) again, at least mine, but I'm assuming many of you out there can relate. When you leave Mormonism, it gives you an opportunity for like radical healing in a way that I don't know if it would be possible otherwise, if that makes sense. And I think that's a gift of a faith transition too, is you get sort of a clean slate across the board. And for me, I feel like it's almost pushed healing in certain areas of my life that I maybe would have procrastinated the healing process. But deconstructing Mormonism has sort of put me in kind of forced that healing where I've had to heal body image stuff. I've had to heal certain family things things in my marriage relationship. And I think that's a gift. That's something that a faith transition can sort of spur on, I guess. And it's a lot too, obviously, although it is a gift in a lot of ways, it's a lot of work. And sometimes you don't want to be dealing with everything at once, but I do think it can be beneficial in some ways too. Let's read another testimony. 
I'd like to bear my testimony, dot, dot, dot. My husband and I were just talking about this, but our marriage would not have survived had we stayed in the church. I know that leaving the church allowed us to be our true, authentic selves and to be able to work together as a team without a predetermined destiny to get in the way. We're open with each other in a way that we would have felt restricted in Mormonism. Also, our sex life got much better without garments. I'm telling you. I felt so unattractive when wearing them and taking them off has upped the attraction. Amen. Amen. Yes, that's funny. I just barely was talking about marriage and how I have sensed that in my marriage too. A lot of healing, a lot of growth, a lot of progress, and it's not always easy along the way, but I feel very similarly that it has benefited my marriage in a huge way. And yes, to taking off garments and having more sexual attraction and That piece of marriage has been much better for me too, but I also just think that authenticity, when you are rediscovering yourself with a partner, you are forced into a higher level of communication and care and vulnerability, and I think that can be a really, really positive thing in a lot of ways. Ooh, I love this one. I didn't have my first eye exam until I was around 13. I remember walking out with my first pair of glasses and all of a sudden life had so much more detail. The leaves in the trees, the dancing blades of grass. Now that I've been out of the church for over three years, I get to live every day with that same kind of clarity. I'm about to come out to everyone as gay. I'm finally me. It feels so natural and free. I'm happier and more alive than I've ever been. And the best part, I'm just getting started. You guys poets for real (laughs) like so beautiful so beautifully said such a wonderful wonderful analogy I love that clarity I feel similarly it feels like things are clear in a way that they weren't in the church and especially when you were dealing with cognitive dissonance for so long like I feel like I was when you finally step away from that things feel clear and fresh and new and it's like you're seeing life so differently and I love that so much. Also congrats on getting ready to come out as gay. That is so powerful and important. I've been thinking a lot too about what Katie Weber said in our last episode that came out last week and she was saying that she doesn't feel like she would have even been able to recognize that she was transgender without stepping away from the church first. And that has been something I've been thinking on so much because I feel like, although that's a really, you know, intense, significant experience and identity realization, I think that that's really relatable, that sometimes we don't know who we are or we're not allowed to discover who we are on so many levels when we are in a church that you know, dictates a lot of our identity, quite frankly. And I have felt similarly. I feel like I've been discovering different parts of myself, discovering small things like what I like to do and wear and eat. Not really eat, but like, oh, I like drinking alcohol in these situations, like that kind of thing. And then also in really big ways, like figuring out who I actually am outside of the Mormon doctrine. And that's a really big deal. And I'm really really happy for this person. And I think you said that so beautifully. Next testimony, the quote, still small voice was me all along. By stepping away, I could finally grasp that at the center of my soul wasn't a male spirit that I had to be worthy of. It was me. Every decision that worked out well, every goal I set, every time I felt I needed to call someone, every time I felt I needed to leave a space, every time I needed comfort from within, it was me. In therapy, I learned about the quote, core self. Core self is your true self or most authentic self. It is our inner wisdom, inner nurturer, wise self, feeling self, inner voice. It is our values and personality. I know I can connect to my core self and trust her. I know that I am capable of making my own decisions. I know that every time I'm asking for the still small voice, I am worthy as I am the voice. I have always been worthy of myself and I will always be worthy of myself. In the name of myself, amen. (laughs) In the name of myself, amen. Woo. Again, yes. So beautifully said. That's huge. That is such a huge realization. I did a TikTok the other day. There was this woman 
on TikTok and she did a video and she was saying, no, I didn't manifest this. I'm not lucky. God gave this to me. No, I'm not like out to have success for myself. I'm out to, you know, glorify God's name or whatever, that kind of thing. And I actually did a stitch of it. And this is a little bit of what I was saying, what this person testified of is that we were taught or I was taught to think that it was selfish to give ourselves credit. Like I remember thinking, oh, if I want to do something, that's probably a bad sign. That's like the inner, what's the name for it? You're all probably yelling at me. The prideful man, the inner, do you know what I'm talking about? There's like a term for it. What is it? I'm going to have to look it up. Okay, I'm looking it up. What do I Google? Prideful man Mormonism. Natural man. (laughs) I did not find it on Google. It just came to me. The natural man. I remember thinking, if I want this, that's probably a sign it's the natural man or woman in me. And it almost was like, I felt like less deserving of it or like less like I should do the thing that I wanted because I was trying to align myself with God. And I felt like a lot of what I want is probably not what God wants. So I should be doing what God wants, not what I want. And then when I did have, you know, these spiritual feelings or intuitions, then I would attribute those to God. And it's so empowering to take that back and say, I know myself, I know what's good for me. I know what I want and I can just do those things and I don't have to give credit for everything in my life and even my own self and who I am to somebody else. Honestly, this person just said it way better than that whole little rant I went on. But suffice it to say, amen, I agree. And it is not selfish to honor yourself in that way. It is not selfish to attribute your own success to yourself. I actually think that's a really good thing and a really healthy thing. And I think in the name of humility, we diminished ourselves in order to be humble when in reality, that was us the whole time. And I love how she is in retrospect, like giving herself that credit back. I think that's really, really beautiful. Oh, I thought this one was nice. This is a small thing, but now when I'm outdoors, I love that I can just appreciate nature for being nature instead of having to think to myself, I love nature because being near God's creations makes me feel closer to God. Isn't it weird how we had to label nature as being inherently spiritual in order to justify enjoying it? That was so smart and insightful. I think it kind of goes back to what I was just saying with the other one too of why can't we just let things be what they are and enjoy things for what they are, whether that's our own feelings or nature and earth, the planet, like those things are just inherently beautiful and good. They don't have to be given to us by God to be enjoyed. Yeah. I'm thinking of the scripture. I actually loved this scripture in the book of Mormon where they're saying like everything testifies that there's a God, even the planets and the way that they orbit and All of those things are like essentially a testimony to there being a God. And I remember thinking that way too. I would always think like, oh, like our anatomy, the way our bodies work, like how could this just be by chance? Like there must be a God, a creator. And I think that's totally fine. And I think feeling that way is also fine. And if that feels good, that's great. But for me, kind of taking that God piece or that creator piece away has actually felt really nice and felt like an allowance to just enjoy and appreciate and admire the things that are for what they are and also has given me a deeper appreciation honestly for science and for the workings of the universe and the workings of our body and how things have evolved and how we've learned about those things like that to me has been almost more spiritual as opposed to thinking that we were just like created a specific way. And I know different people will relate differently to that one, but I really liked this thought about the outdoors too, because I think it shows just again, another seemingly small thing, but that can mean a lot to people to be able to appreciate 
the planet in a way that they don't feel like they have to attribute that back to a religion and say, oh, this religion must be right because I love being in nature so much, you know? And I think how I grew up, a lot of those things were always brought back to this is from God and down the line, down the line, the church is true. And it's nice just to appreciate what is for what it is. Okay. This person says, not an ex-Mormon, but since leaving the church of England, I have never felt more freedom. I have no quote, righteous examples to compare myself to. I follow my own path. There is no rule book to my life. So I can form my own identity. I have grown into my queerness so much more. I am so excited that this space and what we're doing here at Girls Camp resonates with people beyond post-Mormonism. I know I'm speaking about Mormonism pretty specifically, but I've connected with so many of you who are not post-Mormon specifically, but you maybe have a post-Mormon in your life or a Mormon in your life you want to connect to, or you've gone through a significant faith transition yourself. And I love that this person, you don't have the connection of Mormonism, but you're experiencing these same feelings of freedom and joy in being yourself and embracing yourself and in being authentic in a way that you felt restricted from by being part of the Church of England. And I'm so happy you're here. You're probably learning a bunch of crazy shit about Mormonism. (laughs) And yeah, it's just nice to know that this experience is maybe more universal than we give it credit for. Another interesting thing, so many people, when post-Mormons talk about leaving Mormonism, one of the biggest criticisms that I get all the time is Catholics leave Catholicism and other Christians leave their Christian religion and they don't talk about it. Like, why are you making such a big deal of it just because you left Mormonism? And that's just not true. I have connected with so many people who have left other religions of varying degrees of high demandness, and there is such a shared experience, and those people are talking about it too. The Mormons who are saying that to me just probably like don't know that and haven't expanded their worldview enough to understand that leaving religion and talking about it and needing to heal from it is actually pretty common and is not unique to Mormonism. And that's been an important thing for me to recognize and kind of tap into. And I love that there is a relatability beyond just post-Mormonism. Next one. I got pregnant last March and was so scared when I found out I had a boy because of the church. I did not want him being subjected to being told he can't control himself and that he needed to be a sole provider for a family and marry a woman no matter what. It makes me feel so good that now I've fully left the church. He has actual agency. My husband is still a member, so it will have influence in his life, but husband is a great man and between the two of us, I cannot wait to see the amazing person he will become." This was such a great one because I talk a lot about, I mean, I'm a female and I have twin daughters, so I talk a lot about being excited about raising women outside of the church, but equally as important is raising men outside of the norms and stereotypes that are pushed by the church, and I think that this caused me to reflect on that a little more, and I think that it's so important that this mom is raising her son to know that he can also be whatever he wants to be, doesn't have to fit in the box that the church is maybe wanting to put him into. And we need more men who are just not steeped in patriarchy from day one. So I really love this. Okay. I've realized Satan only exists if other people are dictating your beliefs. Satan can exist if I'm setting my own stance. Oh, wait. Satan can't exist if I'm setting my own standards, because if they really are my standards, then why would I be tempted to break them? I've realized most of my beliefs and feelings are probably wrong, and it's caused me to listen and try to understand perspectives instead of trying to strong arm and try and convince the other person I'm right. Amen. This was a super interesting one. This was very thought provoking to me, which is why I wanted to share it. I don't know. I feel like I have been similarly feeling kind of, I don't know, leaving religion makes you feel philosophical, existential in new ways as you are deconstructing. Every kind of step of deconstruction causes you to reflect on things differently. And I just really like what this person said about questioning 
their own strongly held beliefs and realizing that there's always something to learn and opportunity for growth and that is not necessarily something cultivated in us as Mormons to be open to other beliefs and try them on for size and I think that that's a really good thing to do and I think our society would benefit a lot from doing that and I also thought that was such an interesting point of saying Satan can't exist if we're setting our own standards because then why would he tempt us to break them <laughs> like that does is that making sense to you all I had to read it a bunch of times but I was like ooh. It's kind of an interesting point because if it's our own standards, then why would Satan care if we broke them or not? You know, the Satan thing's interesting too. And we might need to do a full blown Satan episode because Mormons care a lot about Satan. Like Satan is a really important part of the Mormon doctrine. And I'm not sure how much like Satan or the devil plays into other religions theology, but I think that's interesting. And I also think it has the potential to do not good things <laughs> to be so focused on satan and like give satan so much power you know so we'll talk about that another time i'm gonna end on this one it is one two three four five words and i think it sums it up really really well it says i finally feel like myself i love that because I think in one way or another, a lot of these testimonies are saying something very similar, which is by leaving Mormonism, we have found ourselves and been able to step into who we truly feel like we were all along. And what greater gift than that? I too feel like I have found myself and have truly come into my own joy and happiness. And that doesn't mean life is always happy and perfect, but it means that there's that like deep inner peace and contentment that I didn't have for a long time. And I thought the only way to have peace and contentment was being a Mormon. And it's not true because I'm a living proof as are all of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. <laughs> in the name of myself, amen. Or in the name of our Holy Girls Camp community, amen. Thank you so much for listening. What a wonderful birthday episode that completely made my birthday so special. Thank you all for writing in. I read every single submission and like I said, much more post-Mormon testimony bearing to come. I'm so happy to be doing this. I'm so happy you're here and I can't wait to chat with you all again next week. Until then, have a wonderful week. See you next time. Bye. She 